the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. It's the 28th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2021. It's a free-for-all Friday. I will take your phone calls, but we do have a couple of interviews scheduled this hour as well. So I want to bring you on to the uh, uh, airwaves whenever I can. As a matter of fact, while we wait for Congressman Jim Jordan's call, do we have time to squeeze one in here, Marcy? We do. Let's go to Bob in Middleburg Heights. Hey, Bob, you're on the air. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hello, Robert. I, is John there? I can't. I can't hear my lines right now. Is Bob or John there? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have no. I have no uh, audio in my head here, so I don't know who I'm talking to. All right, uh, Tom. Yeah, we got to update this. Uh, Tom, are you there, Tom? Yeah, I'm All right. here. All right, go ahead. Uh, I I saw where um, Dr. Frank and uh, that Joe Blystone were supposed to have a meeting with. The Secretary of State about the election. Did you happen to see that one? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you very well. I'm having a little tr- trouble. Could you repeat that question? Well, Dr. Frank and Joe Blystone were supposed to meet with Frank LaRose in Columbus, and Frank LaRose didn't show up for the meeting. Oh, no, I did not know about that, actually. I did not know about that. Um, uh, I, 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 well, did hear, I did hear about Dr. Frank well, was supposed to meet with uh, Frank LaRose. I didn't know it had anything to, to do with Joe Blystone, though, and I did not know that the meeting was canceled when, uh, when LaRose did not show. What was, the, uh, what was the, the point of that? Well, they were the, the ones they want to talk about the corrupt databases in the state of Ohio, and that's Frank LaRose's job. I guess okay. they got to meet with his staff even uh-huh. though LaRose didn't show up. And Joe okay. Blystone went because his he, he, I think I heard he had went to vote last November, and they didn't let him vote because his vote was already recorded. I think that's the story. 
I have not so heard that story. I, I, Tom, I had not heard that story. I appreciate your call, though, and, uh, and making me aware of it is something I will keep an eye on. Um, I have not talked to Frank LaRose on the air in a long time, but uh, those are those are very valid questions, and if I can find anything out, I will certainly do so. But I am told that Congressman Jim Jordan is on the air now, so let's bring Congressman Jordan back to our program. He's Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be twice in one week. I get to hang out with Bob France. That's a, it's a good week. Well, it's fun for me too. You know, obviously we are uh, not live on Monday as we take that day and commemorate and celebrate and memorialize. Uh, yep. You know, the fallen yep. uh, on Monday. So uh, that's our normal meeting time. So I am glad to get you in today instead. In fact, um, before we we start talking about the news of the day and issues uh, that we always do, um, how do you spend Memorial Day, Congressman? We're actually taking it easy this uh, this weekend. With uh, we have some family in town. Our uh, two of our four children are in, um, so we're going to take it easy and be kind of a nice weekend. But of course, we we all remember uh, what this is about and the sacrifices that have been made for our our great country by so many individuals over the years. So, um, but yeah, we'll be taking yeah. it easy with the family. That's that's great, and and, and that's what enjoy, it's all about. Enjoy, so are we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, enjoying what what you know what uh, Dr. Fauci and 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 some of these uh, Democrat governors have said we couldn't enjoy time with family at around the barbecue uh, the way you're supposed to as Americans. Exactly right, and breathing the uh, the the, uh, the fresh air of freedom that uh, that they don't really right. want us to breathe anymore. Uh, okay, Congressman, a lot of stuff to get into uh, this morning. In fact, I, I originally wasn't going to ask about this uh, because you know we made this uh, uh, connection to have you on kind of late, um, but yesterday. Uh, Joe Biden apparently unveiled uh, what is going to be uh, put out in more detail. A six, tri- I, did I mishear this? A six trillion dollar budget. <laughs> that, that's a that's an annual. That's a that's a single. That's not for the next ten years. Six trillion dollars yeah. for one year yeah. and a one point eight trillion dollar operating deficit. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, he's just gonna. We're just gonna spend two trillion more than we've traditionally spent over the last several years. Uh, in the annual budget, just up it by two trillion and just keep doing it is, is sort of the mindset. But I mean, look, Bob, this has been in 120 some odd days, maybe the worst administration in our lifetimes. I mean, we went from a secure border to crisis. We went from energy independence to gas lines. We went from peace in the Middle East to rockets being fired on our on our friend and ally Israel. We got inflation with everything. We got employers. Every single employer I've talked to in our district over the last three days travel around and tell me they can't find people to work. Uh, and that's because Joe Biden is paying people not to work. Um, and not to mention what they've done to our liberties that we've talked about many times on the show. Uh, and oh, by the way, now they're going to spend an additional $2 trillion and keep up the same, same old, same old. So uh, this is a disaster. And I think the American people are seeing it for that. Are they? Uh, because I agree with every word you just said. It is a disaster. But if you look at polling numbers, and again, we know that polling, particularly as it pertains to pre-election polling and how races are going to turn out, those often aren't very reliable. But just in terms of the job approval numbers and this sort of thing, you know, most Americans seem to be like perfectly fine with being led back into Carter 2.0, but but worse. No, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. I mean, again. Uh, we've been all over our district talking with folks the last few days, visiting with employers, visiting businesses. Um, I think Americans see it, and certainly Ohioans do in the 4th Congressional District. Um, and, and plus, the other thing that's probably most most frightening, I think, is, I mean, I'm, I'm very concerned about what they've done to our liberty. The assault on the First Amendment rights we have over the last year. But maybe the most concerning is how our adversaries, and we talked about this earlier this week, but how our adversaries view us now. I mean, the, the, the 
President Xi in China, Putin in Russia, these, these, these people see the same thing we do. They see the weakness from this administration. Again, I go back to what happened up in Anchorage, Alaska, two, two months ago, where, where our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, his counterpart, the treatment he received oh, at, that, at that event, that would never happen in a Trump administration. So um, that's the part that's because that has, that has real national security implications when you see the weakness that this administration projects in the world. Well, well, let's stick with Tony Blinken for a moment because the State Department just authorized or ordered, I don't know which it was, um, American embassies around the world to hang Black Lives Matter yeah. flags, to fly them or hang them from building walls on our embassy. I mean, first of all, Black Lives Matter, the rest of the world isn't stupid. Black Lives Matter yep. uh, is is essentially alleging that the United States is a systemically racist country. Moreover, Black Lives Matter is, by its own definition, a Marxist organization. Did the yep. U.S. Secretary of State just allow American embassies to transmit to the rest of the world the belief that the united states is now under marxist control <laughs> right. i mean it, this stuff is it, it would it would be it's goofy you would laugh at it if it wasn't so serious but that's the nature of this administration any and every crazy left-wing thing <clears throat> they will advocate for uh, so much so that they're going to as you said allow this flag to be flown over our embassies around the world it, it, it doesn't make any sense i, I don't get it but there's not much I do get from this administration. I mean, it, literally, they're, they're, we're, we're going back into we're going back into Libya, which we haven't. You know, remember, no one was ever held accountable for the four Americans who gave their lives: Tyrone Woods, Glenn Doherty, Sean Smith, and Chris Stevens, who gave their lives for our country back on September 11, 2012. The Biden administration is going to go back into Libya. Uh, me, meanwhile, we have all those issues we talk about: crisis on the border, inflation affecting everything, and, and they're focused on that. Um, yeah. So. No one understands what these folks are up to, and it's, again, that's why I said it's, it's, in the end, it's probably the most concerning aspect of the Biden administration. So you mentioned the meeting with Chinese leaders and others in Alaska. Let's talk about China and uh, and what kind of control they have over the Biden administration. Look, you know as well as I do, Congressman Jim Jordan, that for 12 months of 2020 and really into January of 2021, President Trump did everything he could to hold China accountable for the uh, the what we call the China virus, uh, what he calls the China virus. I'll call it the Wuhan flu or whatever, because President mm-hmm. Trump has long argued this was not from some wet market. All of the evidence yeah. points to the fact that this is from a Chinese uh, lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And now after tw- 12 months of denial and calling Trump and others racists and xenophobes for daring to blame China where the, the, the uh, virus originated, suddenly Joe Biden is interested and how it originated. Now he's ordering, what, a 90-day uh, 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 investigation or inquiry into the sources of, uh, of, of, the, of the, the, the coronavirus, the COVID-19. What all of a sudden led to this pivot where now he wants to know? Yeah, because, I mean, in the end, the facts always went out. You know, they, we can hear all kinds of baloney from the mainstream press, from Democrats. We're used to it now. They told us the dossier was real, that you could trust it. They told us that President Trump colluded with Russia. Both of those things were false. And then they told us, oh, 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 this started in a wet market. It didn't come from the lab in, the, in Wuhan where the virus broke out, where there weren't any bats in that place. They had to you know, to the lab where they were doing bat experimentation. So, um, almost everything they've told us is, has been, been false. So you're almost better to just, believe the opposite of whatever you hear from the mainstream press and, and, and the Democrats. But I think the real takeaway here is Dr. Fauci needs to come before our committee again, the Select Committee on Coronavirus. We asked for over a year now to have the WHO and to look into this issue. We were calling for it last spring 
on that committee. Steve Scalise, myself, and others on that committee. So we, I would love for Dr. Fauci to come in again because remember, Bob, he's the one who approved $3 million to EcoHealth. EcoHealth then gave 600000 to the Wuhan lab. Dr. Fauci knew about that arrangement when he approved your tax dollars, those grant dollars, to go to the Wuhan lab where they were doing this kind of research. And there are other doctors out there who think that it was, in fact, quote, gain-of-function research, even though Dr. Fauci says it wasn't. I would love to have him on the witness stand again where I can ask him the kind of questions that I think the American people want answers to. Well, first of all, Fauci lied and denied even that money going to the Wuhan lab uh, in mm-hmm. countless numbers of, of exchanges with mm-hmm. Rand Paul in Senate committees. And now finally he says, well, okay, um, maybe we did, but it was a modest amount, $600,000, to do some modest yep. research on these things. Yep. So, I mean, the, the fact is he has, he has lied under oath numerous times. And more importantly now, let's suppose, for the sake of argument, and it's still not going to happen, Joe Biden is not going to trigger some sort of international investigation um, when uh, uh, the rest of the, the world is listening to China saying, well, the WHO already investigated and found that it wasn't there. You know, we know that the CCP runs the WHO, for goodness yeah. sakes. So Biden isn't going to trigger, trigger this big investigation anyway, and even if he could... What are the odds that any evidence that pointed to what you are talking about with gain-of-function research and the weaponization of that virus in that lab, what are the odds that any of it haven't been destroyed by now? Well, we don't know, but I do think you're seeing people kind of change positions because they understand that, oh, wow, we're, we're, uh, the, the truth is coming out. We better start figuring out how we're going to handle this. Re- remember, uh the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services said we need an investigation. We, the, what the World Health Organization did when they did their investigation and said, oh, it's unlikely, it's extremely unlikely it came from a lab. We all know that's baloney. You've got people now in the Biden administration who have said you can't trust what the World Health Organization put forward with their study. We, you and I knew that from the get-go. They're, they're coming around to that position. So I do think they're trying to figure out, oh, how do we cover, how do we deal with this um, and now, that the, now that the facts are starting to come out? So the, the key fact is this. Remember, it was researchers in that lab in Wuhan, China, who first came up with COVID-like symptoms. The very first people we know who came up with COVID-like symptoms clear back in the fall of 2019. So that sort of tells you more than any other piece of evidence that this thing started in the lab. There's some great reporting out there from mainstream reporters who now say all the evidence seems to suggest it came from the lab. So I think they're just overwhelmed by the facts and the truth that are coming out, and they're looking to see how they deal with it. Yeah, I think they are overwhelmed because when the truth does come out, anybody who's been lying and hiding the truth is going to have to answer for it. But, uh, but again, I, yep. I, I'm just, I'm just so demoralized by the fact that they have waited this long. And again, I believe any bit of information or any bit of evidence that can prove what we are talking about is going to have been destroyed by the time anybody gets an actual look at it. Anybody that's not, uh, the owned in full, uh, WHO by the CCP. Congressman, before you go, I have a, a title in front of me and it, and it reads this way. Do what you said you would do, fighting for freedom in the swamp. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, well, just what it says. I mean, I, I've said, I think, many times on your show and others that I think we make the job of a member of Congress or someone in public office way too complicated. What did you tell the voters you were going to do when you ran for the job and they gave you the privilege of serving in that position, representing them? What did you tell them you were going to do? Go do that. So we talk about those those fights, those investigations that have happened in, in, the, in the time that I've had the privilege of serving in the United States Congress. And frankly, we talk about the, the House Freedom Caucus and why we formed that organization and how close we worked with uh, the best president we've ever had, President Trump, and how he stood up and did what he said he would do. So those are the kind of things we talk about in the book and uh, give a little insight to uh, 
I guess some of the things I was involved in as a, as a kid growing up as well. So it's uh, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be something that people want to read. I'm glad you said the word book because I was looking for that clarification. The title I just mentioned is the title of a book written by Jim Jordan that's going to be coming out this fall, actually in November from what I'm reading right now, and it's entitled Do What You Said You Would Do, Fighting for Freedom in the Swamp. You have, I don't want to say you've staked your reputation on your support for Donald Trump, but I mean, I think clearly your star has risen over the last four years because you have been one of the most vocal opponents of the Russian witch hunt, opponents of, you know, what uh, uh, the, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, you know, the collusion allegations, opponent of the impeachment. You were so vocal in, in opposing what happened with Ukraine uh, and so forth. So whether it was intentional or not, you have been one of the most vocal supporters of President Trump. Your popularity has grown immensely, but so have your detractors. They have grown as well because of that. <laughs> and, 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 and so you're going to kind of cover it all in this book, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely the detractors. I think about the number of death threats we get every week and all the crazy stuff from. It's amazing the the, the crazy people out there who will who will say the things they do and attack you. But but you know, there's lots of great people. Nine times out of ten, I'm in the airport. Someone will walk up to me and they'll thank me for fighting for freedom and fighting for the things that they care about. And that's that's why you do this job is because you believe in the great principles and values that made america the greatest country ever so that's that's we talk about some of that as well well you just nailed it you hit it out of the park what you have been fighting for is not for a man you know a lot of people will look at you and say you're a trump supporter you're fighting for trump fighting for trump you're fighting for freedom and and what president trump was trying to put through through the america first agenda was freedom restoring the liberties that have been long taken away and that's so key i'm so glad to hear you say it that way people think you're just a trump defender no you're a freedom defender and president trump represented a lot of those freedoms i think that's so important to get across congressman well you're a freedom defender too and i appreciate the chance to get on your show every week bob have a great memorial day uh weekend with your family it's our honor to have you and you do the same sir thank you all right, that's Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We went a little long. We'll catch up and come back, I promise. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 1027. We've got a few minutes between, uh, or rather before... Uh, Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, joins us. So let's get a phone call in on this free-for-all Friday from Tampa. Not from Tampa as in Florida, but from a person named Tampa in Hudson. Uh, You're on the air, Tampa. Go right ahead. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. What's on your mind today? Terrific. Um, Just for clarification, uh, first of all, thank you for having Jim Jordan on. That was a delightful uh, hearing him. Um, Absolutely. For some clarification, from what I've gleaned, um, there was a racist comment regarding lynching. Um, so maybe that's why the police had been notified. I don't know. But maybe because of the threat of lynching. Oh, you're talking um, about the previous caller from Richfield who talked about the kids yeah, playing I'm, a video I'm, I'm, game being investigated. Correct. And also there was some suspicion about the fact that the wording of the... Uh, uh, of the threat um, may have not come from a 15 or a 16 year old kid that it was just kind of a little more um, heady uh, than a kid would hmm. say so there's been some suspects uh, rather suspicion about who actually posted what they posted so I just I just local news just wanted to let you know what they're talking about here in in sunny Hudson. 
<laughs> right. Well, you know what? I'm so glad you did, Tampa, and thank you so much for the phone call and the information. Um, I'm glad to get that. That's why I kind of couch my comments in response to what I heard before with, if that's accurate, boy, that's terrible. If that's true, boy, that's a violation of the First Amendment uh, and their rights, etc. cetera. Uh, but however, you know, that's the if part. But if it's not true that it was just innocent, you know, uh, banter and language that maybe some people find offensive and inappropriate, but was not threatening language, that's a different story. If it's threatening language particularly if it is aimed at a particular person, that may trigger an investigation. But if it's just words that people find offensive, for whatever reason, pejoratives or anything else, uh, and it's triggering a police investigation, now we're talking about thought police. Now we're talking about really serious problems here. So I'm glad to get some of the clarification of what uh, maybe that was all about. Thank you so much for the phone call. We'll take a time out for news, and we'll come back, and we'll talk to Christina Hagen as we do each and every Friday on AM1420, The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer yes indeed truth coming at you like it's out of a water cannon for god's sake that's literally what we try to do there's so much negativity so much misinformation so much fake news honestly that you get from so many different levels of media you need truth, and you need it blasted at you, and that's what we're going to continue to bring you. Jim Jordan just did, and now I expect Christina Hagen to bring more of it. Christina Hagen, former Ohio State representative, joins us for political commentary each and every Friday. Good morning, Christina Hagen. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. I'm great. All right, we've got a lot of ground to hear, uh, ground to cover here, Christina, and I'm going to start with something you and I kind of talked about yesterday, policing and skyrocketing crime. Now, the statistics are out. Uh, record numbers of homicides being committed, double digit in one city, Portland, triple digit, meaning 100% increase in homicides over this time a year ago. Violent crime is rising in America, and this is the way the Biden administration is looking at it. I want you to listen to this response from Madam Circleback. Um, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, when asked about the rising violent crime in this country. Is there a crime problem in this country? Well, I would say certainly there is a guns problem, uh, and that's something the president would say. And there are communities where uh, local violence and community violence is an issue. And that's one of the reasons that we have proposed and have now are implementing funding for community violence prevention programs across the country. Um, two things there, Christina Hagan, I want you to speak on. Number one, she said it's not a crime problem, it's a guns problem. Um, I'm waiting to see the videos of all of those guns leaping off of tables and firing indiscriminately at people and killing them and being responsible for the record numbers of homicides because I haven't seen any video of the guns acting on their own yet. I've seen people committing crimes with guns, but that would make it a crime problem, not a gun problem. Secondly, she said, what was that What was that line at the end? We're creating what? Hold on, let me, uh, let me give you this one more time. It's one of the reasons that we have proposed and have uh, now are implementing funding for community violence prevention programs. Funding for community violence prevention. Isn't community violence prevention kind of a long, fancy way of saying police? Christina Hagan? Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, she says we have a guns problem. We have a heart problem in this country, and we have a leadership problem in this country. And the leadership is absolutely 
exasperated this by calling for defunding of the police. And as you mentioned, now they're uh, fancying it up, putting in different terms and saying we need to essentially fund something that could stop this from happening in our communities. And I'm looking at my family who's in safety services, my brother who runs alongside a SWAT team as a paramedic in a very dangerous city in our state, in Columbus, Ohio. They're seeing increased homicides. They're seeing um, shootings that can't even be responded to effectively because of the low staffing, because of the Mm -hmm. low financing. And this issue has just been exasperated by Democrats um, for over 365 days now. And you think about the fact that Seattle's homicide rate spiked to a 26-year high in the midst of the beginning of this, and they just fanned the flames. And I think about all of the division that's happening across the country, and it's so well-layered because it is a part of this massive Marxist agenda, whether it's CRT, um, these microaggressions, obviously continually stoking the race war and the division and pitting the oppressor versus the victim, yet having zero accountability for those who are actually perpetrating the crime. Um, it's, it's sickening. It's who they are. It's who they'll always be. And yet they want to um, walk and say two different things at the same time. I mean, we've got President Biden releasing a proclamation saying that he wants to um, have a Peace Officers Memorial Day on May 15th, a resolution uh, to honor police, our law enforcement on an annual basis. Yet they're doing everything they can to strip them from being able to perform their jobs in dangerous cities. We're seeing a mass exodus of police officers, of law enforcement, from the cities that they have loved and served in their entire lives. And they're leaving. They're just leaving. But the good news is bad policy and good policy matter. So we're seeing good, decent police officers leave really terrible, horrific scenarios where there are heightened crime that they can't even keep up with because they're being stripped of their resources, threatened in the ability to do their job by the policies of the local administrators and state and federal administrators. They're not leaving the police work. They're going to the communities that will embrace, support, and back them. So we're seeing a transition of law enforcement from these really bad cities to areas where they can actually do their job and they're supported by the communities to do their job and they can help protect and keep communities safe. It's sickening that... Everything that the Democrats do resolves itself to race and guns, yet there's zero accountability for the the actual crimes being committed. And the sad part about this movement from police officers, as you say, not leaving the profession per se, but just going to communities where they're respected, the communities they're leaving are the ones where minorities are congregated. It, you know, these are usually very heavily dominated minority demographic cities uh, that, you know, that Black Lives Matter and others have made policing uh, so difficult to do. And the victims are going to be, as the police leave and the understaffing causes delays in response time and so forth, the victims are going to be primarily primarily minorities they're literally cutting their own throats by black lives matter and other organizations driving police out the victims are going to be overwhelmingly black as you know over 90 percent of the 911 calls that come into for cleveland for example uh, requ- uh re- requesting police for violent crime response they're coming from black people and that's because black people are being victimized in their own communities and they're the ones who are going to suffer from this uh from this assault on co- on policing Absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely disturbing. It really is. And uh, let's talk. Let's move on. And I want to talk now about um, critical race training is one thing. Critical race assault on one race is another. And I think perhaps the two are are kind of uh, merging into one another now. 
Manhattan Institute senior fellow Chris Rufo uh, blew the whistle on this with a report on Lockheed Martin, which is the nation's number one largest defense contractor. Lockheed Martin is forcing people of one race in its leadership, whites, and one sex, males. White male executives are being required to attend diversity programs that slam them for their race and um, essentially humiliate them for being males. I'm going to want you to listen to uh, Christopher Rufo on Tucker. This is a 50-second clip, and I'll get your response to it, Christina Hagen. Well, this is a long-standing training program. Actually, 8,000 Lockheed Martin executives and employees have been through uh, race re-education programs, and this one was particularly galling. They had uh, these executives go through these exercises where they said that being a white male was analogous to being a KKK member, uh, to being in the Aryan nation. Uh, they also said that, uh, you know, kind of funny way, white men can't jump. And all of these slurs and stereotypes about their own uh, origins. And they take it through a series of exercises where they had to review 156 white male privilege statements, apologizing for their race, apologizing for their sex, apologizing for their orientation. Uh, and the question is this. If a three-star general retired in the United States military can't stand up to a bunch of crackpot diversity trainers, how on earth are we going to stand up to communist China? Again, that was Christopher Rufo from the Manhattan Institute on with Tucker Carlson. This is Lockheed Martin, paid billions by the United States government as the largest defense contractor. Um, Christina Hagen, your response. Well, I think that uh, North Carolina Rep Dan Bishop had it right. He responded immediately to Rufo's tweet on this, saying that corporations that divide their employees by race should not receive taxpayer dollars. It is that simple. The sad part is this is happening all over the country and government bureaucracies and all of these entities that are driven by this leadership that believes in this crap. I mean, this ha- is happening in our state school board in the state of Ohio. My father was asked to attend training just like this and apologize for being a you know middle-aged white man. It is absolutely disgusting. It's degrading. Um, these microaggressions are not so micro. Um, we're absolutely talking about neo-racist re-education camps of thousands and thousands of employees. And this isn't the beginning of this. We're just starting to see it come to the surface. This stuff has been going on for the better part of a decade through places like Lockheed Martin, and that's showing up and what Rufo is recording. Um, but I think, you know, it is, it's always good to look at the problem, look how widely distributed it is, and then realize that we do have some good news. We have people that are fighting back on the local level, whether it's in our school systems, on school boards. Um, and we also have the reality that some states are waking up to how bad this is. But we need to, as taxpayers, demand demand that we are not federally funding this type of racist division in our country and certainly not through the employment process you know he mentioned how egregious it was i won't reiterate that fact i you know i sat through and read through these things and i just couldn't even believe my eyes but i will say they had a three and a half day white men's caucus which in itself feels racist that you would set people aside based on the color of their skin, not the content of their character, as Martin Luther King Jr. called us to act and live as a country. Um, But it said this session was designed to engage white men by creating a safe space, a safe space. I don't know how many men are looking for a safe space, but I guess so in this country these days, because we're not building soldiers. Um, We're building safe spaces for our military now. But for them to discover their own culture and how that culture has impacted them, it also allows behaviors to be examined and shifts to occur so effect, so they can effectively diversify partnerships 
Um, it also says the first step is for white men to be grounded in their culture and to begin to understand their experiences are not the same as others. This can only be done when they have the opportunity to first explore this among themselves. We are brainwashing our leaders in this country to think that they have somehow done something wrong simply by existing. It is disgusting. Um, now I'll say, couching all the bad news against the good news. Um, I don't know if you saw this yet. I saw this in the news this morning, Bob. A thrilled Attorney General uh, Nudson issues binding opinion on critical race theory. So we do have some states like the state of Montana who are standing up and saying that this is blatantly, blatantly unconstitutional. He says schools, other government entities, and employers may not treat individuals differently on the basis of race. Thought this was self-explanatory. Can't believe we're here as a country. He said many CRT activities violate U.S. and state constitutions, federal civil rights laws, and or Montana Human Rights Act. Uh, and then also the attorney general's opinions carry the weight of law in Montana. So we are seeing the pendulum swing back and say, whoa, this is the opposite um, of, of promoting inclusion and diversity. This is absolutely racist activity in this country and um, neo-segregation. Well, it is good to see Attorney General Nutson doing that, and he joins several other states from governors to legislatures or at least chambers uh, that have done the same thing. Now, it's only a small handful. I want to say like maybe six states have committed in some way or another to making sure that critical race theory is not, not only, you know, um, not encouraged, but th- that it be banned from being taught. There's a difference there. It's one thing to say, hey, we're not going to tell our teachers to do this, but what needs to be done is they need to be banned from doing this, from presenting misinformation, particularly racist misinformation, about the origin of the country, its birth, and so on and so forth. Um, the extraordinary part of this to me, as we go back to the Lockheed Martin part of this, is... Just, and, and the left likes to call this whataboutism. Well, I don't care what you want to call it. It's real to say, can you imagine any other combination of sex and race that, that this would be acceptable to force people to be training on? Instead of white males, what if it were black females or black males or, or white females or, uh, you know, white gay, uh, you know what I mean? If you, if you it's do insane. take the intersectionality here, you can't do this to any other group of people other than people who are white and male. They have been demonized. And how anybody cannot see this as being sexist and racist. People think that sexism and racism only happen when women are victimized in sexist cases and, and blacks or, or minorities are victimized in racist cases. They, they, they believe that white males can't be the victims of sexism or racism. And doggone it, that is exactly what this type of mandated training d- does, whether it's in schools or corporations it's it's nasty stuff bob and we talked a little bit about mayor lightfoot last week and if you think about that one shining example of blatant racism with this thing that we do we turn the cheek because a certain walk of life um and then we you know completely ostracize a certain walk of life all based off of color um but can you imagine the outrage if a white politician only gave interviews to white journalists i mean it's as you said, if you put this on any other sect of society, any other walk of life, any other, it would be, people would be in the most intense uproar we've ever seen. Yet we have thousands and thousands of white men being attacked and belittled and degraded mm-hmm. and forced into re-education camps in the greatest country on earth. In the greatest country on earth. It is insane. We are living in insane times. The uh, president is proposing a $6 trillion budget, and I could spend a lot of time with you talking about the insanity of that. But since we don't have a ton of time, let's talk for the last minute or two here about something that's just insane. 
Kellogg's new cereal has been introduced. Um, it's called Together, I believe, with Pride. Together with Pride. Is that the name of the, uh, the cereal that Kellogg's is putting out now? It's called Together with Pride, and it features pronoun, pronoun choices on the box. This is clearly geared toward children because it's got a bunch of cartoon characters, including Tony the Tiger. It looks like the uh, the uh, three elves, not the elves. What do we call the Rice Krispie uh, um, um, beings? Are they elves? Whatever. They I are. don't know. They're, I don't know. Snap, Two crackle, can. and pop. I have no yeah, snap, crackle, and pop, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're elves because they don't identify as yeah. them anymore, Bob. <laughs> Toucan Sam matter. is there. <laughs> Toucan Sam is there, the cartoon frog from some cereal or another, a, a rooster. Anyway, all of the cartoons are there. This is clearly aimed toward kids. Together with Pride is what it's called with, with pronoun choices on the box, clearly intending to continue the indoctrination of children into this lifestyle. Your thoughts on that? My thoughts are it becomes harder every single day for me to have any desire to bring my kid into a grocery store. You know, it used to be we were worried about tobacco and um, inappropriate magazines on the shelves, and now it's the basic food they're consuming. I mean, we can't even buy a cereal box without having to worry about a hidden agenda uh, trying to attack our children's identity. It is disgusting. I, you know, I turned on an old cartoon that was remade. Um, probably a few months ago, and I'm like, oh, this is a cute show. I'm going to love watching this with the kids. And in the intro song, they started singing about selected pronouns and this and that and integrating all of the stuff about society and culture and politics and, of course, attacking Trump and others. And I just thought nothing is sacred. They will leave nothing alone until they completely and utterly corrupt our youth. And parents are just going to have to be intensely vigilant about watching their back and watching out for their children's future because nothing is sane anymore. Parents that actually care because, sadly, some parents agree with all of this, which is one of the reasons the kids are being led down into some very dangerous paths, to be quite honest with you, because their parents uh, actually support this uh, affirming type of of lifestyle. Uh, Christina Hagen, terrific conversation as always. Thank you very much. Please enjoy your long Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. Thank you so much. 1053, final segment coming up. All right, 1057, I want to wrap today with a story that might make you feel, well, kind of good. When you see bad things happening to bad people doing bad things, it kind of makes you feel good, right? You remember, you remember the name Patrice Cullors, do you not? One of the founders uh, of the Black Lives Matter, Inc. organization, the one who identified herself and her co-founder as trained Marxists who truly believe in the goal of destroying the Western-prescribed nuclear family to dismantle the patriarchal practices uh, and to essentially destroy the capitalist United States of America, replacing it with a nation rooted in Marxist theory. Well, BLM's Patrice Cullors has stepped down from her leadership position. This after she uh, it was revealed that she bought four homes in recent months for a total of $3.2 million. Now, she doesn't make $3.2 million. She's using the money from what has can only be described as her own personal slush fund in Black Lives Matter. 
They made $90 million in 2020 alone. She took $3.2 million and spent it on four homes by herself. And then, as corrupt individuals are wont to do, she was also uh, discovered engaging, engaging in corruption by paying the father of her only child $148,000 of BLM funds to co-produce a live stream in November, something that industry insiders say should have cost about a third of that. She paid triple the amount of money, not to any producer, but to the father of her only child. They now have, they went from $90 million to about $60 million on hand. At this rate, thanks to the corruption of BLM's leadership, they'll be broke by 2022. Take that into your weekend. Please enjoy your long weekend, and obviously our uh, Memorial Day celebration will be a best-of show on Monday. We'll see.